101 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to let the fact that you've made 100 episodes of a podcast sink in. Trust me, we're still letting that sink in. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about overlooked and underrated games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like the Adventure Games series and Unmatched. Then, we talk about some of our favorite games that we think have been overlooked or underrated by the board gaming community, and why we think that happens. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word rate. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Hey everyone, this is Future Ambi here. Our contest is over. If you missed it, we were running a giveaway to celebrate hitting 100 episodes. Uh, the winners have been drawn, and the winner of the grand prize, which is a Kickstarter edition of Reavers of Midgard from our sponsor, Gray Fox Games, is, drumroll, Brian M. There are a total of seven prize winners, so we'll be contacting all the winners by email. Thanks to everyone who entered the contest, and congratulations to all the winners! Recently, I got to play a couple of the adventure games, which is a new series of games that are adventure style, like escape room type, but more story driven. So I played Adventure Games The Dungeon and Adventure Games Monochrome Inc. They're both published in 2019, designed by Matthew Dunstan and Phil Walker Harding and published by Cosmos Games. So the adventure games, they are like point and click video games. I mentioned this in the Blitzies, I think, when one of them won one of the awards. but. <laughs> But it's basically like one of those old point-and-click adventure games where there's different rooms and pictures. And so the game does this with cards that each card is a different room. And these are big-sized cards, like postcard-sized. And they have a picture of the room. And different items in the room have different numbers on them. And there's a book with a bunch of passages that are all numbered. And so if you want to click on that item, then you go to that passage in the book. And you can get different items. There's an item deck with cards. And you can combine them with each other and with places in the room by combining the numbers together and then you go to that passage in the book. So it's very adventure-full. And you can play one to four players. It's a cooperative game. And each player is a different character. And um, that's pretty neat because in some places where you're going, it matters what character you are because you choose where you're going on your turn. And then your character that's looking at it says, like, if your if this character looks at it, then go to this passage. If this other character looks at it, go to this passage. Because the characters have different titles. So I thought that was pretty neat. So the two I played are The Dungeon and Monochrome Inc. The Dungeon is a fantasy theme. And Monochrome Inc. is, like, set in the real world. It's about, it's kind of like a heist criminal theme with a pharmaceutical company. And The Dungeon, you're in a dungeon trying to escape. So they're not, I don't recommend these for young people <laughs> because, <laughs> because they're both kind of dark. The, I think Monochrome Inc. is a lot darker because it's set in the real world and involves death, whereas the dungeon is fantasy and less death. So I think the Monochrome Inc. you would want to play with older people and the dungeon you could play with maybe like, maybe teenagers, like young teenagers, maybe like. But but not children, probably. Yeah, I think it says the dungeon is 12 plus and Monochrome oh, okay. Inc. is 14 plus on the boxes, I believe. Okay, that sounds reasonable. I, d I don't remember what being 14 uh, was like, but... <laughs> I mean, do any of us remember what 14 was like? Uh... Yeah. yeah, so I think it's really cool. Um, in the dungeon, the numbers 
like when you're looking at one room, the numbers were like 101, 201. So you don't see the different numbers in the same room in the book when you're looking at it. Because sometimes when there's those passages and you're reading through a book, you, you kind of see what else is on the page accidentally. But in the dungeon, you don't do that because they're on different pages. So that was cool. So this is, this is what's fascinating to me is I'm so you used the book. You didn't use the app. Yeah, there's an app for it, I think, but because a used friend that. of mine played this with the book, and she passed one of them off to me, and I haven't played it yet. But she was like, "Do not use the book; use the app." Like mm-hmm. she was adamant that I shouldn't use the book; that I should only play it with the app. And she said it would be exponentially better if I did so. So, huh. but I haven't done. I, it, so I, I haven't done both, so I don't know. Yeah, but like, yeah. So for the, for the dungeon, I think the book was good, but on Monochrome Ink, the all the passages were next to each other, so. That was oh, weird. that's the one. I so, think that's the one she had and passed okay. to me, maybe. Yeah, so for that one, you could probably use the app. It's also a lot of reading aloud if you don't like doing that. Similar to like a game like Sherlock or something where you're passing around stuff and reading it aloud. But I really liked it. Toby and I both played it together. We played it two players and it was really fun. There's three chapters in each one and you can take a break between the chapters, but I recommend playing it in one sitting or without long breaks because we kind of had a week break between um, some of the plays of Monochrome Inc. And then we forgot what was happening, but it's a whole connected story in both games. It's a whole connected story. So you kind of want to remember what you did in previous times and the locations are all still the same and they're all still there. So you can like go back and visit old locations. So you should probably play it when you remember what's going on for the best experience. But it's still a lot of fun. And there's different story endings depending on what you do. And you get a score based on how you played. But like, what's fun is the adventure and the story. If you like going back and reading like all of the endings, it's pretty hard to do that in this game. Because there's so much different stuff that you can do. So like... It's hard so unlike to tell a choose your own adventure you book where yeah. you're putting your fingers in all the pages, you can't really do that here. Yeah, because you're jumping around a lot and you can't really keep track of what you did. I guess you could write down everything that you did maybe. I don't know, but it's too much work. <laughs> so how would you compare this to, you love, I, we know that you love escape room board games, a mm-hmm. few of the different series. How, would, how does this series rate in comparison to the escape room board games that you've played? Um, so it's not puzzly like the escape room board games and is not timed so for me it has more of a feeling a similar feeling to the like sherlock holmes consulting detective or time stories okay and i like this a lot better than time stories as i mentioned in the blitzies and um i'm not sure about versus sherlock because in sherlock you're like solving a case and it's it's has a different it's somewhat different i don't know it might be better than sherlock i think <laughs> I mean, Sherlock was published a very long yeah. time ago, so that yeah, that's, but like makes sense. I, I like the whole experience of Sherlock, you know, just having a night of detective, being a detective type thing. But there's other games like that now. But versus escape room games, I really like the puzzles of escape room type games and the exit. Like I really like the exit puzzles. So my favorite of those, I think, I still would like more just because I like that type of real time puzzle solving game. But this is like one of my favorites of just a story-driven type game. Both of them were very good. The adventure games, The Dungeon and Monochrome Inc. So, Ambie, there were a lot of really good games that came out in 2019. We discussed this in the Blitzies mm-hmm. episode. And we also discussed there were a lot of games that came out in 2019 that we hadn't played yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I found a hole that I probably... 
Should have a game I should have played before we recorded the Blitzies, and that oh. is Unmatched Battle of Legends. Mm. So Unmatched is a 2019 release from Restoration Games, and it's a re-implementation of the 2002 game Star Wars Epic Duels. Restoration Games does not have a license to publish Star Wars material, so what they've done is they've taken things that are in the public domain that aren't IP-based, and they've inserted them into what was originally a Star Wars game. It is an asymmetrical two-player tactical fighting game. You can also play it with four players, although I think it is generally intended to be played two players, and that is how I would want to play it. So in the game, players are taking on the roles of fictional characters throughout history, like Alice from Through the Looking Glass, Sinbad from the Arabian Nights, King Arthur, Medusa, and each player controls a single character. Those characters each come with a unique deck of cards that they are going to be drawing from, as well as a miniature that goes onto the board. Some of the characters also have sidekicks or other kind of little supplementary token characters that go along with them. The board that they go onto is divided up into color-based zones with spaces that connect to each other in specific paths. And in the volume one set that comes with the four characters I already named, the board is dual-sided and has different zones and passing on it. So it can kind of change the way uh, players are moving during the course of the game. When players take actions, they'll have a hand of cards and they can do things like move, draw more cards, perform actions listed on their cards, or attack their opponent. The goal in the game is to get your opponent's life down to zero. That's it. The battles are card-based, and both the attacker and defender get to play a card, um, and the attacker is generally trying to play a higher-valued card to do damage to the defender, but a lot of the attack and defense cards have flavor, not flavor text, actual text on them that also does things. So there's a lot of um, canceling out of other cards or getting to play a new card on top of the one you already played, things like that. The asymmetric nature of this game is where it gets super interesting, because each character has unique cards and unique abilities that will force you to play differently based on what character you're playing and what character your opponent is playing. Like, if you're playing as Medusa, you, you won't be able to play the same way every time because if you're playing against King Arthur or... Sinbad, you might need to do different things. And I will say that this is one of those games where new players will be disadvantaged to experienced players because since the decks are asymmetrical, you kind of need to have an idea of what's possible. And your first game, you will not know. For instance, when my friend was playing as Medusa and I was King Arthur, neither one of us knew that she was going to draw a card from her deck that would allow her to do eight damage to me in a single turn. Uh, if I had known that that card existed and that there was a chance she'd have it, I may have made some decisions differently. Um, needless to say, King Arthur did not win the battle that day. <laughs> so... The rules are really straightforward, truly, and they're easy to learn, much more so than in a lot of asymmetric games. And the gameplay feels highly strategic. While the luck of a draw can always factor into a game where you're pulling things from a deck of cards, each of the characters have unique ways to affect their own card supply and their opponent's card supply sometimes as well. So it feels like you can mitigate that luck in a lot of meaningful ways. And managing your deck is very important because if your deck runs out, your character starts taking damage every turn. So there are a lot of factors that you have to think about all the time, but the rules are still simple. 
Restoration Games provided this game to me as a review copy. And I'm super grateful that they did because I had been hearing everyone talk about it for like the past, I don't know, year almost. And I love it. Like really, really love it. I think this actually might be a game that my husband and I can play together regularly. He oh, wow. is a Magic the Gathering player and he likes, you know, highly strategic card-based play. Um, and he, he and I do play Magic together sometimes, but I feel like... I'll never have an edge unless I just happen to draw really well when I play magic against him. But this game feels like maybe we could be on slightly more even footing. And I really like it. So um, I also have one of the expansions, the Robin Hood versus Bigfoot expansion, but you can mix any of the characters together. Um, and there's other expansions. There's a whole bunch of characters from Jurassic Park. And there's the new expansion. I don't know if it's out yet. I think it is the Cobble and Fog expansion, which has four new characters, the Invisible Man, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, and Jekyll and Hyde. So there's lots of interesting characters in here. And their cards all make sense based on who they are. Like everything feels thematic. It's really hard to explain how delightful <laughs> this is. But hopefully I've done a decent job of that. But I, I think if you enjoy two-player games and you want something that is interesting, tactical, and super clever, you should 100% pick up a copy of Unmatched Battle of Legends. It is, I, I give it two very, very large thumbs up. I saw a lot of people comparing it to, I think, Funko, because they came out at similar times and are different characters and stuff fighting, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is interesting. They are both two or four player fighting games. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, because they were released near the same time, a lot of people have compared them to one another. I have played both now. Mm -hmm. um, I would say both are really solid games. Funkoverse is definitely sillier. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a good thing. Like it's sillier and it's a little lighter strategically, um, and which makes it friendlier for like families. I would say. Mm, okay. I'm not saying like gamers could have some fun with Funkoverse, but I think if you are a hardcore gamer and you're looking for a two-player dueling game, I think Unmatched is probably going to be more for you. But if you are a family who likes to play games together, I think Funkoverse might be potentially a better pickup, especially if the kiddos are a little bit younger. Although, admittedly, I think kids could probably pick up the stuff in this game pretty easily mm -hmm. too. But I think the, the Funko Pops themselves, the figurines, make that one almost... It's The yeah. table presence is definitely, I think, more... It's brighter and it's going to maybe draw the kids in. But honestly, mm -hmm. the artwork in Unmatched is so beautiful. It's um, it's just really, really gorgeous. The cards, mm -hmm. the board, everything. I really, really like it. I just, mm. I'm mad at myself for having not played it <laughs> sooner. And I'm excited to try out the characters that I haven't played with yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and also potentially pick up some new expansions for it in the future. At one point, I think Suzanne may have given me some info about a, an expansion that hasn't been announced yet i think if i remember correctly obviously i'm not going to say what it is but i specifically remember being delighted by whatever it was nice. so uh yeah so that was unmatched battle of legends hopping into today's theme we are talking about underrated and overlooked games. And the reason I'm using both of those terms, uh, Ambi, is because I think for me personally, I tend to use the word underrated most of the time. But a lot of the time when I say underrated, I generally mean overlooked or not being yeah. talked about enough. Not necessarily that people are rating the game 
lowly. Yeah, me too. I think in our blitzies, our underrated category, we were mentioning that too, because the games we were talking about were actually rated pretty well, but they're just, we don't hear Not them talked about. talked about <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. And obviously, whether a thing is being talked about enough or whether it is rated well enough is a subjective thing. So obviously, yeah. the things we're going to be discussing here are our own personal opinions. But there are, I think, the, the big thing to mention here is a lot of board games are being released every single year. Yeah. So it is inevitable that some really, really good games may not get noticed by a lot of people or any people. It's entirely possible that there are spectacular games that none of us know about because there are just so many coming out every year and we can't play all of them. And I think there, there, you know, the board game community is pretty good about lifting up certain games and we, the hype train gets a roll in on some (laughs) of some, and then others sometimes fall to the wayside as a result of the hype train blowing right past them. So we also know that not everybody can play every game. We're not judging people if they haven't played a specific thing, but we would like to highlight some of the games that we really love that we think not enough people have talked about or maybe even checked out at some point. Yeah. For me, I think a lot of older games tend to fall into obscurity because because of what you say. So many games come out each year, only a couple get remembered. And then old games are still really good. And like old in board game terms now is like before 2019 <laughs> right like, right? like <laughs> it does feel like games from like 2018 2017 especially even when you get back to just 2015 five years ago yeah that feels really old yeah in the terms of board games which is silly so i actually i get a lot of delight out of seeing people playing games from five to ten years ago ish mm-hmm. Like, especially the ones that, like, we liked five years ago, but maybe we haven't thought to bring back out to the table. And I'll admit, I'm part of the problem here because I love trying new games. Mm -hmm. I really do. It has nothing to do with me not wanting to play the older games. I just like trying new games. Therefore, you know, time is a finite thing, unfortunately. If someone's figured out how to break that, let me know (laughs) because I could use some more time to play board games. But yeah, I, I tend to spend a lot of my time playing new things and not going back to older games. Yeah, me too. Like, I have a lot of older games that I really love, and they're like in my top one hundred list. And but I just don't have as much time to play them because if I'm playing new games, then that takes away the time. But yeah, someone commented I think on my top one hundred list saying that they hadn't heard of any of the games on my top ten or any something. Of them? Well, that's gotta I, maybe be, like one that's, of them. That's I think an exaggeration, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They were saying the list was bad, but <laughs> um, well. No, here, so hold on, I'm going to stop you, because first off, that person saying your list is bad clearly is just a troll. (laughs) But I think it is really, really nice, because the the people that work, so we are part of the Dice Tower network and the Dice Tower proper, kind of, with the video content. The people, most of the people who make videos for the Dice Tower's YouTube channel, or the, the majority of the videos that come out on that channel, are from a group of people who live in the same place and often play games together. And I think it is probably true that a lot of people tend to feed off of the energy of the people that they're around. And if someone really loves a game, I think it Mm -hmm. is easier for you to fall in love with it too, no matter how good or bad the game is. And so I, and I'm not saying that the opinions of Tom and Z and Mike and Roy are all the same all the time. They most certainly aren't. But I do think that 
the diversity of games being covered and reviewed, there are some small gaps there. They can't play everything. And so you've covered some things in your top 100 list that they aren't talking about as much. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a delightful thing. So I know that YouTube commenter isn't listening to this episode, (laughs) but just in case they are, uh, Ambie's list is wonderful and delightful and you can learn about some really cool games that maybe you didn't know about before. So if y'all haven't watched Ambie's top 100, go do it. Yeah, those are all underrated overlooked games <laughs> but they're the games that you love and that's what yeah. a top 100 list is there is no mm-hmm. such thing there is no such thing as a bad top 100 list yeah that's not possible because all it is is a list of the things that that person loves and you can't yeah. say that that's bad <laughs> sorry i'm going on a rant i know i probably shouldn't because it does not mean anything and all the people listening to this are not that person so <laughs> so what are a couple of games ambi that you think are criminally underrated or overlooked well criminally i mean i I know i've i've made it i've blown it out too big but (laughs) well one of my favorite games tragedy looper i rarely see other people talk about it It i say other people because i talk about it a lot now but (laughs) i think anything that you and i talk about a lot can be excluded from this um (laughs) but Honestly, ever since you and I started the podcast, I've been interested in trying Tragedy Looper, and I still haven't. Uh, And I know that we say this a lot, but at some point, genuinely, I would like to play it. (laughs) Yeah. But that's like back from 2011, I think. That's almost 10 years old. (laughs) Something like that, yeah. But it's a pretty heavy deduction game, so it's not for everyone. It's probably for a very small subset of people, but... Those people really love it. (laughs) And I imagine that that may fall into a category which some of the other games in our list also could fall into, whereas it's it's not the easiest game to just pick up and learn and play. Yeah. So the barrier to entry is higher, therefore that might be preventing some people from checking it out. Yeah. And like a few years ago, I thought 18xx were overlooked. (laughs) <laughs> and now they're getting more popular so that's they cool. are a lot of people are talking about 18xx and you are contributing to that happening i am certain yeah i i kind of made <laughs> my persona to be 18xx to help with that what's what are your most <laughs> most underrated overlooked games it's interesting. I have some older games and some newer games that I feel are underrated. I have to say, truly, you and I talk about it a lot. We both love it. But Strike, honestly, <laughs> honestly, it is so fun. And I think a lot of people can't get past the silliness. And it just, it's a delightful game. And it's, it is, it's, it's underrated. I know that you and I and Rodney Smith and Marty and Tony mm-hmm. from Rolling Dice and Taking Names all yell about it a lot. But really, genuinely, and I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that this new printing that is coming mm-hmm. out this year, and they've got the Harry Potter version and a new and regular Detroit, version of yeah. Strike, both releasing in the United States. I am hoping that more people will be able to discover this beautiful game that we love so much. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Um, some other things that I think are underrated. I actually have started kind of falling in love with games from Haba that are not part of their yellow box game series. They have some games that are more family weight, a little more strategic. Here a few years ago, one of those games got a lot of mentions and a lot of play, and that was Karuba. A lot of people really liked Karuba, and it got a lot of buzz. But there are other games 
similar in weight to Karuba that not as many people are talking about. Adventureland is kind of the top of that list for me. It is really, really fun. Uh, Mountains is another that I really like. And then the more recent release, Honga, I think is also another one. I don't think enough people are looking at those games. And I don't know if that's because they think, oh, it's Haba, it's for kids. But I think more people, especially families, should definitely be looking into those games. But not even just families. Like, my game group really enjoyed playing Honga, and there weren't any kids there. On that note, like, kids' games are were actually underrated, I think, on BGG. Like, their ratings are always skewed lower because the people rating them are all adults. <laughs> but... That's a really but, good like, point. You want kids' games for kids. <laughs> right, like... It's funny because I think we as gamers tend to especially discount kids games that are older. Mm -hmm. Um, Newer kids games are more interesting and strategic for sure. But like a game like Candyland, for instance, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of modern hobby gamers would say Candyland is garbage. Mm -hmm. And it's not. (laughs) Candyland, unlike a lot of other games, doesn't involve numbers. It doesn't involve dice or a spinner, or anything else like that. It just involves drawing cards from a deck that have colors on them. So if you have a very young child who is learning their colors, then that's there's a value in Candyland. Mm-hmm. It's fun for them to do, and actually provides an educational thing for a small child. That's mm-hmm. a good thing in a kid's game. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. And the, the theme is also really fun. Like, don't hate on Candyland, people. Okay, I'm sorry, this is just my rant episode. <laughs> I'm going to rant about everything. Yeah. But I guess the problem is it's hard to rate it with just one number because that's like it's good for two year olds. But then once you get to like five year old, then it's not as good or something. Right. Right. That's what's interesting is the BGG ratings are how good is this game? Not how good is this game for a very specific group (laughs) or type of person? Yeah. Like you can't really. I wonder it would be interesting to have like for games that are kid-friendly, not even necessarily just kid games, but for games that could be considered kid-friendly, they have no adult content in them, it would almost be neat to see two different ratings, like Mm -hmm. a rating for people who are 12 and older, for instance, or 11 and younger. And kind of, I mean, obviously that's very broad and wouldn't cover everything (laughs) well enough, but just kind of to, like, if your kids love a thing, then it should be highly rated for them, but that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be good for adults. Yeah. It's hard. We need, we need, uh, in, in addition to RPG geek and board game geek, we need kid game geek, apparently. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple other underrated games or overlooked games that I mention all the dang time. Uh, I've mentioned them multiple times. Medieval Academy from Yellow is one of my favorite card drafting games. I love it. Order of the Gilded Compass from our sponsor, Gray Fox Games, also one of my favorites. Dice allocation games. And I talk about Castell all the time. Castell just came out in 2018, but not enough people played it when it came out. And it feels like it's kind of dropped off of a lot of people's radars. And I'm still going to keep shouting about it forever because it is still my favorite game from 2018. And I adore it. And I actually got to play it at Dice Tower West. And when I had it out on the table, a couple of different people came up to me while I was playing it. And they were like, oh, hey, you're playing Castell. I heard you talking about that game, so I played it, and I loved it. It's wonderful. And nice. I just, like, my my heart was just swelling with, like, love and pride. I was so excited that people are discovering Castell. Yeah. Well, Castell even got, like, a bunch of buzz in, like, one week or something, because it had it that bag, It was such a short right? amount of time. Yes. Yeah. 
But then it like kind of and just then, dropped off the radar. There's yeah, other games so like weird. that too. Yeah. There are games that win awards that then somehow disappear, mm-hmm. like and get stopped getting talked about. Uh, Broom Service is one that I oh. talked about on either the podcast or Dice Tower tonight within the past six months or so. I played it again and rediscovered my love of it, and it won the Kenner Spiel the year that it came out. But no, do you see anybody playing Broom Service anymore? <laughs> like it was an award, like the highest prestige you can get in board games. One of the ke- yeah. the Spiel Awards, and I don't see anybody playing it anymore. So yeah, that, I, that's definitely overlooked. Not necessarily underrated though. <laughs> we could probably name a hundred games that we think are underrated or overlooked. But truly, I want to hear about your all's favorite overlooked or underrated games. Please tweet at us or post in our thread on BoardGameGeek or over on this post on Facebook for this episode and let us know what your favorite underrated games are. Please tell us about them. I want to play them. I want to discover them. I want to feel the joy that you feel when you play those games. That And if board game reviewers aren't talking about them, maybe we can. So y'all let us know what those games are and hopefully we'll be able to check them out. For this week's etymology segment, since we're talking about underrated games and underrated is a compound word, we're just going to look at a piece of it and dig into the history of the word rate. The English verb rate, meaning estimate the worth or value of, originated in the mid 15th century and came from the English noun form of that same word. The English noun can be traced back through the old French word of the same spelling, which meant price or value. That word came from the medieval Latin rata, which meant fixed amount. That word was the feminine past participle of the word rare, which meant to reckon or think. Well, I reckon that rating board games might be a tiny bit more interesting now that we all know the origins of the word rate. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Zoned Out is available now, and if you order directly from Gray Fox, you'll receive six additional promo cards with your copy of the game. Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. Did you know you can support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month? Become a patron to listen to unedited episodes and join our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitz directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, board games are chill, board games are chill. If we do not play them, nobody else will. Bye, everyone. Bye. Recently, I got to play the Adventure Games which is a new adventure <laughs> game. <laughs> okay. I mean, that, that reads. That's, yeah, that, that seems, that seems That's accurate. That's Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start over. Okay. Um, so it's very adventure-full. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a word, but <laughs> it's not, but I liked it. <laughs> okay, um and very cool. Oh gosh, hit my <laughs> pop filter. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
for this week's etymology segment, since we're talking, okay, we're just going to start that right over. (laughs) Perfect. It's time for our alliteration puzzle. A couple of episodes ago, we asked you to retheme a formal ferret game that involves spelling for concerned laborers. What game was that, Ambi? That was Worried Workers Wordsy. <laughs> Those worried workers and their wordsy. <laughs> All right, this episode, we are asking you to retheme a Feld game that has a rondelle for not short circus performers who perform high in the sky. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>